First of all, tremendous hashkot to Rabbi Mamish, like I think this is his fourth catered event this week. Is, uh, I got one more. He's got, he's got a few more between now and Shabbos. Incredible. And by the way, and none of it gets recycled. It's a different menu every time, every single time. I mean, this is the same menu as last week. Uh, I'm just saying. No, I don't the chicken know. I haven't done in a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People keep me honest. Last time was holiday. Someone said something. Someone said something. I take, I take feedback. That's right. That's right. Beautiful. Just everyone take if you want your request. Just make the same joke again. Yeah, sure. Everyone just write it down on a piece of paper. I got the suggestion box right there by the door. It has the bag in it. (laughs) Can you get Trayberg meat? Trayberg meat? Yeah, sure. On a serious note, you should just know that in Nabokhshan, we've been having this year for a couple of months. Literally every single Thursday night. See, like makes us such a such a beautiful spread, Baruch Hashem. So thank you, thank you. And we'll say a tremendous to our new Mashke uh, Gabai, who is really doing an incredible job in his first few weeks on, on the job to make sure that uh, the well never won. Right? No, Sarah Mashkin ended up all right. He ended up okay. He ended up all right. Sarah Sarah Ufen didn't end up all right. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Mashkin is good. Makes sense. Sounds right. No, no, I mean the, I mean here. Consistent. It's consistent. That well should Emirat Hashem run dry. I hope that one runs dry. Emirat Hashem. I will say that. Let us begin. So we have a beautiful piece. We're continuing the Chalban. Uh, so continuing in a piece, right? Last week, did we have? Sh- oh no, we didn't have Shir last week, right? No, no two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I'll say. So we started this piece, really beautiful. The piece that's titled Hayachas Ben Hagufan Shama Buuma Bchiburam, page Ayin Beis. So I'll say. So if you remember again, can I just ask? When, although my father wasn't was really leadership, but uh, since his yard site's like, can we maybe absolutely, and- absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Arye Ben Barach. Arye Ben Barach. We hope that on the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshama of Arye Ben Barach, Shefer Litgal Gan Eden, should have Neshama Shtav and Aliyah and his family in the Chama. So I will say, so remember again, we, we started out in this piece here where the Chaban was describing very beautifully that in this world, in this current world in which we live, so often the focus of our lives is Havdalah. Right, tell me about Havdalah. At the whole essence of life is lahabdul ben kodesh lechol, to be able to distinguish, to be able to identify what's kodesh, what's holy, and what's chol, what's mundane. And the Chaban was explaining that that's the way the world works, right? There's these two categories in life: that which is holy, that which is mundane. But the, the Rebbe explained, the Chaban explained that in the second period of the Geula, which ultimately again we call pekida, we spoke about this extensively, in the period of pekida, so there's not going to be this bifurcation between Kodesh and Chol. Rabbi explained the Chalban that in the period of Pekida, which is the last stage of Geula, as we spoke about in previous Shi'urin, everything is Kodesh. 
Everything is Kodesh. Everything is holy. And there's a recognition, and we spoke about this idea extensively, this idea that it makes, it makes, it's one of these concepts that makes sense, even though we can't fully wrap our head around it, because Lamaisa, we do live in a world of Kodesh and Chol, but at the end of the day, if I believe that everything comes from HaKodesh Baruch Hu, everything comes from the Ribbon Shalom, then by definition, everything is Kodesh. And even the things that look Chol, they only look Chol, but they're not really Chol. Everything is Kodesh. But in this world, even in the period of Zechira, you can't see it. You can't see it. It's only in the period of Pekidah, only in the end of the Gula process, that they're truly able to experience this idea. So let's pick up, we're picking up a page, Ayin Gimel. Ayin Gimel, page Ayin Gimel. So the second to last paragraph on the page. And here the Chaban says something absolutely amazing. He writes, Ela, Shamabat Kodosh Kodosh Zeh, so here the Chaban says something amazing. This outlook on life, this outlook, that at the end of the day, there's nothing really that's chol. Everything is Kodesh, because everything comes from Hashem. Everything is Kodesh. Again, we're not at that stage yet, but that in the final stage of Geula, everything is truly holy. Everything is Kodesh. The ability to see this concept really comes from the area of nigla, excuse me, the area of nistar, right? He says, I'm sorry, let me read it. He says, nimza hanigla shel ha-Torah. This, this concept cannot be seen through the revealed part of Torah. It's not seen through the revealed. Why? Listen to this. Ki hu eino adam hamugdaros. if you think about it very beautifully and profoundly, so what's the whole job of Torah? Think about the Torah that we have, what we call Torah's Hanigla, revealed Torah. So revealed Torah is exactly what it sounds like, Chomish, Mishnah, Gemara, Shulchan Aruch, right? What's, what's the whole point of Torah's Hanigla? What's the entire essence of Torah's Hanigla? Is to tell us what? What's Kodesh and what's Chol? What's Mutter and what's Aser? That, that's the entire point of it. That's the entire... So I will say, Torah's Hanigla is there to focus in a world where there are these two categories. There's Kodesh and Chol. And therefore the Chaban says something amazing. The notion that everything in the world is Kadosh. The notion that everything in the world comes from the Ribbon Shalom and therefore everything is truly holy. That concept is not found in Torah's Hanigla. That's not found in revealed Torah. You're not going to find that concept. I will say, here's the perfect riot to this. When the Torah speaks about Kiddoshim you, I will say, almost all of the Mepharshim explain, what does it mean? How do you actualize the mandate of being holy? How do you actualize it? How do you actualize it? You separate yourself from something. You separate yourself from something. The idea of Kiddoshim you is to identify that which is holy, that which is mundane, bring yourself closer to the holiness and further from the mundanity. So even, even the way Torah's Hanigla, revealed Torah, understands Kiddusha, is Kiddusha by definition, before you get to what you do, there's first distancing yourself from those things that are by definition mundane. So says the Chalban, the beauty of what we call Torah's Hanistar, the hidden Torah. So the hidden Torah, of course, again, begins with Rashbi, Rabbi Shimon Bayochai, the Zar, Ijaraba, Ijrazuta, Kabbalah, Chassidus. The beauty of Torah's Hanistar is that Torah's Hanistar helps us to tap into this concept of a world that is fully Kadosh, of a world that is absolutely, totally, and unequivocally holy. That there's no such thing as something that's mundane. Everything has Kedusha. See, so he goes on, he says, it is dafka, the hidden part of Torah. 
who sheba legalos as hakodesh ha'oyon ulaharos as shlitaso bechol merchave hachayim. It is dafka again what we call Torah's hanistar, the hidden dimension of Torah, which comes to reveal the upper holiness and to show us that holiness really vests itself in everything in this world. See, I will say, and this, if you think about this, it's, if, you're not, if you're not used to this type of learning, this is a hard thing to wrap your head around because the notion that Torah, revealed Torah, is not complete, is something interesting to contemplate. Of course, Torah is complete. Everything that we ever need is in Torah. But the revealed dimension of Torah is here to help us operate in the world before Geula, in the world leading up to Geula. The whole point of Torah is to get us to Geula. So in the pre-Geula world, or I should say using the Chaban's wording, in the pre-Pekida world, because remember again, Zechira is the first part of Geula. You're in Geula, but even in Zechira, till we get to Pekida, there is again this bifurcation. There's Kodesh and there's Chol. And they're two separate things. And what's my job in life? What's my job in life? Gravitate towards the Kodesh and try to whatever degree. You can't, you can't. See, remember, can you avoid Chol? Can you avoid Chol? No, you can't avoid Chol. What you could do is you can manage it. You can mitigate it. Right? You could go out and make sure that it doesn't overtake your life. But ultimately, what Torah Sanistra, the hidden dimension of Torah, will say, I'll just, you know, because sometimes when he talks about Torah Sanistra, you scratch it like, what is he talking about? Hidden dimension of Torah. Like, what, what, are, you, what are you referring to? So I will say, so just to give you an insight, I think I mentioned this the last year, but I'll mention it again now. One of the, I, I did mention this last year, one of the core concepts in what we'll call Torah Sanistra, the hidden dimension of Torah, Kabbalah, Zohar, Hasidus, is the concept ultimately again of nitzotzos, of sparks of kedusha, and there are sparks of holiness in everything in this world. And when I say everything, literally everything. They both say, "By the way, I just I just want to show you how much everything means everything. How much everything means everything." Both say the Gemara says that Mibnei Banav Shal Haman, the grandchildren of Haman, learned Torah in Bnei Brak. They converted. Haman's Enochloch, right? I can't imagine he had too much nachas. I mean, he didn't really have a chance for any nachas. But, right? but, but Lemais, again, Haman's grandchildren, Haman's grandchildren were converts. They learned Torah in Bnei Brak, Talion, Rus, a descendant from Eglon. Hey, so you see, the, what, what does that show you? What does that show you? That shows you that there's holiness everywhere and in everyone. So in Hasidus, there's this concept of these sparks, these nitzotzos. But what happens in life? The sparks are obscured by what we call shells or coverings, which in, again, in, in Hasidus is called klipos, shells. And what happens to those shells, as you can imagine, they obscure the light. You can't see it. So you walk around the world, or sometimes you walk into a person, unless you ever have an interaction with a person, and you say, you know what? I really try to see the good in everyone. That person has no good inside of them. Right? We, you're thinking of someone right now, by the way. I was thinking of someone. Yeah, I just met him. I just met him. <laughs> Actually, on the way in, he was just here. I was, uh, so, 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 you know, you know. I, was, I, I, I just I signed the pledge. What? You signed the pledge. He's okay. <laughs> that was a test. It was a test. It was a test. Right? Excellent. Right? So I say. So, meaning, it's important to understand that even if you meet someone like that and you don't say kedusha, it's important to take a step back and to say, I know I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong about that person. I know I'm wrong. 
I, I, I still might not like them, and I still might not want anything to do with them, but I have to acknowledge the fact that I am wrong. There is no such thing as a person without Kiddusha, and there is no such thing as anything in this world that doesn't have Kiddusha. Yes? So, why is it that you have to like go so much deeper and find those little sparks to know that? Because that because that's what Geula is. Because if he didn't have to go deeper in the sparks, then ultimately again the process wouldn't be meaningful. In other words, what's life if everything is revealed? Right? What's life if you don't have to like imagine your father said, you know what? Welcome back from Eretz Yisrael. Good news, I set up a trust fund for you, $25 million. You'd say, Dad, no thank you. No thank you, right? I want to work hard. I want to work hard. Right? I'm going to donate it to, I'm going to donate it to the shul. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to donate it to the shul. Right? All, all, all kidding aside, in other words, life is meaningful when there's work associated with it, right? If you just walked outside, if you just walked outside, right? And like, if you just walked outside and lahavdil, like you just saw, everywhere you looked, you just saw sparks of holiness. You just saw sparks of holiness. Then what's the avod in life? Right? So what, what makes life so incredibly meaningful is I have to believe it even though I can't see it. And ultimately, the beauty of Geula is we'll be able to see it. So I will say, when, when the Chaban says over here, Torah Hanistra, that, that, that's what he means. The belief and the understanding and the ability to go through life and actively discern there is Kiddusha in everyone. There is Kiddusha in everything. That concept is not really a concept in Torah's Hanigla. If you think about this, right? You're not going to find that concept in the Chumash. You won't. You, won't you, won't really find, you, you may find it by people like Avram Avinu seemed to really chap this idea. Right? That's he's able to have the tent open on all sides. He saw, he saw that everybody contains some type of goodness. But the truth is, in the Torah, in general, the way the mitzvahs are written, the Torah, you don't find this concept in, in the Torah. And, and for good reason, because that's not the role of the Torah. The role of the Torah is to teach us how to navigate this world, this world. And in this world, the most important thing is, what's Kodesh? What's Chol? How can you imbibe the Kedusha? And how can you minimize or try to avoid the Chol? That, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. But Torah's Hanista, the hidden dimension of Torah, is all about finding the Kiddusha in everything. So says, listen to this. He says, I'll tell you, by the way, I have to tell you something amazing. I was speaking about this. Nebuch, uh, a, um, uh, a guy who I went to Yeshiva with in Eretz Yisrael, passed away. Young, young man passed away very, very suddenly. And so... Um, I didn't know, because apparently I wasn't added to it, but there was like a WhatsApp group from our year in yeshiva. So actually I was added to it, because I think I silenced or archived the chat. It's like for years there's been stuff posting, and I look like the antisocial guy. I had to never, uh, never say anything. All right, in any event. So I reconnected with someone who, um, this is you see what I'm going to So I reconnected with a guy who I was in yeshiva with, who I haven't seen or spoken to in 20 years. So he asked me, like, I, he saw someone that were doing a chassidus, and said, what are you learning? I said, Chaban. He said, who's that? Who's that? So I told him a little bit about what we were learning. I told him this piece. I told him this piece. And this guy, you know, he kind of carved out his own path, you know, in, in life. So I told him this idea about seeing the Kiddush and everything. He said, I'm sending you a video clip. I'm sending you a video clip. He said, I promise you it's 100% kosher. I said, maybe not 100%, but like, it's like 95% kosher. And I said, I'm telling you, this is it. So... <laughs> He sent me a clip from The Matrix. 
from the Matrix, right? So what? So what's the chap? What's the? By the way, it, it was it was it was amazing. What was the chap with it? I don't know. Whatever the whole story is, but let me ask, what's the actor's name? Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves, right? Keanu Reeves, right? He has like this epiphany, like this awakening. His Torah Sanister, right? And and what does he see? What does he see? He sees the code, right? He sees the code in everything. Right, so everyone else, they go out into the world and all they see is, okay, the sun's rising, they this, that, and that, that's all they see. He sees the code. See, he sees whatever. It's like, mama, yesh chachma bagaya, yesh chachma bekeana, right? Right, so I'm just saying, say, su- such an incredible yisod. That, that same, I, I don't know if the producers. Jewish writers. I'm sorry, Jewish writers, definitely, right? right? So I was going to say, so, so again, I'm just pointing out, just like lahavdil, lahavdil, but again, Lamaisa, you begin to go out and see the world looks one way, but then Torah Sanista says there's this whole other piece behind it. There's a whole code that's there, and that code shows that there's Kedusha, there's holiness in everything. So he goes on. He says, Once a person learns Torah Sanista, the hidden Torah, which I will say is what we're learning each and every week. That's why we come together every Thursday night. I know some of you thought you're here for the buffet, right? But 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 Lomaisa, again, we're here. Yeah, you know who you are. You know exactly. We know who you are, right? <laughs> At least hide the smile. At least hide it. Hide it. Something, right? So I'll say, so, so, right? He comes for the food, stays for the food. <laughs> whatever it is, right? So I'll say, so, so again, that, that's what we're learning every Thursday night. This is what we come to. We, learn, we come to learn Torah Sanistar. And what are we trying to do? What we're trying to accomplish is this, just that. When you learn the hidden dimension of Torah, it lifts up the people and the nation. When you learn Torah Sanistar, and you begin to see that indeed there is Kiddusha in everything. You begin to see every aspect of life. Kimelacha u mishpacha. Whether it's your career or your family. Chevra ushchuna. Your friends, your neighborhood. Enam ela aspaklaria shal kodesh. And we'll say, you know, the best way I would say this is, aspaklaria, like a kaleidoscope of Kiddusha. You know what happens when you look in the kaleidoscope, right? At first, before your eye focuses, you don't know what you're looking at. You know what you're looking at. But like the longer you look at it, you begin to make out the shapes, right? The, the uh, geometric patterns, right? You begin to see it. So the world is this Aspaklaria Shal Kodesh. It is this, it is this kaleidoscope of Kedusha. See, so when you don't know what you're looking at, you don't see Kedusha. You just see Kodesh and Chol. But as the eye begins to be trained and as the Neshama is opened up through the hidden dimension of Torah, suddenly again, things fall into focus and suddenly I'm able to see, wow, it's not that there's Kodesh and Chol. There's just Kodesh. There's just Kodesh. It's all Kodesh. Are there varying degrees of Kedusha? Of course. Are there things that are acutely Kodesh and things that are minimally Kodesh? Yes. Are there things that are obviously Kodesh, things that are Kodesh in a nuanced fashion? Yes. But everything, everything has that element of Kedusha associated with it. He said, This is just an amazing, even, even if we just come tonight to learn this piece, this is an incredible piece by the Ramchal. Don't skip, don't skip. Still on page Ayin Gimel. Come on, what are you skipping the little parts over here? Yes. 
I don't understand something. Even the people go through the stories, stories, in quotes, and say for Bracious, which seemingly are somewhat mundane stories, but yet there's such elements of Kedusha involved in all the Avos. So how does the Chaban saying that there's no element of, of Kedusha in things which are seemingly Chol <clears throat> in the Torah? Clearly there are many, many things which the Torah is telling you which are seemingly mundane, and yet there are many, many elements of Kedusha in it. Everything in Torah is covered. He's not saying there's not Kedusha in it. He's saying, but look at those stories. What's the message of those stories, right? It's the, it's the Ramban. Uh, but, but I'm saying, but remember, it's the Ramban in his introduction to Bereshis. Why the story's there? The story's there to teach you character traits. That, that's why they're there. So it's coming to teach you something very important about how to live in this world. Is there any, the Chaban's positing, you could certainly disagree with that, but he's positing that nowhere does the Torah get nigla, the Torah, Torah's not nigla, teach us this concept that there is Kedusha in everything. Every aspect of the Torah teaches okay. us something, right? Of course, right. of course, even, even what we perceive as the quote-unquote mundane details, right? Even the mundane details are not mundane, are not mundane. There's no, there's no, and let me, let me highlight this point, Nehemi's point. There's obviously nothing hull in the Torah. Everything in the Torah is kadosh. And even those things that look like and say, why is that here? What is that teaching us? Everything is here to teach us a holy lesson. He's just positing that the notion of finding Kedusha in everything in this world, ultimately he posits, is not found in the Torah's Hanigla. That concept is found in the Torah's Hanista. Again, I, I'm, I'm not saying you can't push back on this concept. I don't know. The truth is, I, I, I see... I'm a chassid of the Chaban, and I'm a good chassid, so whatever my Rebbe says, I listen. So I, to be honest, like, I am not a critical thinker with these things. I, I see it, and my neshama eats it up, and, and I, feel, I feel that it's MS. I'm, I'm sure that, that you could kind of cultivate a counter-narrative to this. I, 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 did a, a, I, I was traveling today, so I was thinking about this. I did like a brief kind of overview. Like, can I think, does anything jump out in the Torah? Not that I have the Torah on my fingertips at all, but like, just if I think about it, like big adult, a panoramic sense, is there anything in Torah that teaches us this concept? Nothing jumped out at me. Nothing jumped out at me. But then again, maybe I'm predisposed not to find anything because of what the Chalban said. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. That's your homework. You know. Yes. <laughs> is, it, is it like, is it, is he trying to say that it's our, our job to find the condition everything? Or is it more of like an Amuna thing to know no, that there's No, it's our job to find it. It's our, absolutely really? our job. Of course. What's, Just, what's the point? Because like, what if there's something we can't... <clears throat> try harder. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's hard, it's, it's hard to get up in the morning. So what's the answer? Try harder. Right? It's hard to keep shabbos. I'm saying the notion that it's hard. Of course, it's hard. It, it's I would I would even I would even take it further. Sometimes it's impossible. Sometimes it's impossible. Now, by the way, that's why the Chaban says that ultimately the true ability to do this is really in Geula. Geula is where everything becomes clear. But even though Geula is when everything becomes clear, the Maisa, the Avoda, still has to take place now. I think. But say look at look at the Ramchal. Right, correct, correct. I can't see it. So even if the whole, no matter how hard and, you try, and by you the way, see, it's, you know. it's more than I would. I would venture saying, and kind of this building is Israel's point as well. In the world in which we live, remember, there's a first step before we get delving into all this. Right? What's the first step? What's the first step? First step is identifying in life. What's Kodesh? What's Chorek? Right before you run around looking for Kodesh and everything, right? Calm down, right? Before you go on that, by the way, first step in life is what's Kodesh? What's Chabosai? How many of us have clear lines and clear categories? What's Kodesh? What's Chol? 
What's mutter? What's aser? What's tame? What's tar? What's kasher? What's treif? How many of us really have those lines clearly drawn? And the reality is most of us don't. Most of us don't, right? For whatever the reasons. So remember, again, the first step in this journey is first kodesh and chol. That, that is the prerequisite. After you get to being kodesh and chol, then the graduation from that is finding the kiddush and everything. Let me read to the Ramchal. Let's look at this piece because then this, this will fill it out. It says, Yisira Kabbalah. End the page, Ein Gimel. Yisira Kabbalah. I'm just going to read a few lines. create his world? What was the Ribbonosh of Olam's will when he created his world? This is very important. The Ribbono Shal Olam created a world. And why did he create a world? He created a world so that we should use it. And the amazing part is, if we use it in the correct fashion, we lift it up. We lift it up. This is the Magician, B'Resha Sarabah, after Baruch created Adam Rishon. He takes Adam for Rishon for a siur, for a tour around the world. And he says, Adam, kol ma shebarasi, b'shvilcha barasi. Everything I created, I created for you. See, Rabbi said, this is one of the beautiful things in Yiddishkeit. See, some religions preach that the way to come close to God is to be ascetic, is to withdraw, is to deprive. And Yiddishkeit says, the Sparachal created this for me. Kala Olam Nivra Bishli created the beautiful natural world for me. I, I've said this before. It's a beautiful story that Rav Kook, Rav Aram Yitzchak, was stuck in World War I, um, was stuck in Switzerland during World War I. He was on a fundraising trip. The war broke out and he couldn't get out. Couldn't get out. So he was fundraising. So he said to his host one day that he wanted to go see the Alps. He wanted to go see the Alps. So the host was like a little bit surprised. It's from Avram Yitzchak Cohen Cook. I don't know. I think by this time already he was already the Rav of Yerushalayim. I don't think he was the chief rabbi yet. By, well, maybe it was the chief rabbi already. I'm not sure. So he, surprised. Like here he lives in Yerushalayim. Remember again, Rav Cook was a chassid. He wants to go see the Alps. So the host says, well, you know, I don't know how he said it, but like essentially, why, why do you want to go see the Alps? Right? So, so there are different versions of, of what Rav Cook said. One of the versions was that Rav Cook said, after 120, HaKadosh Baruch was going to say to me, No, Avram Yitzchak, you were in Switzerland. What did you think of my Alps? Right? So, in other words, that, 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 what, Rav, what Rav Cook was trying to highlight was, Hashem created a beautiful world for us. Now, sometimes we think, for the Jews, Hashem created Yerushalayim, Lakewood, Muncie, Borough Park, right? Baltimore, um, Baltimore, 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 right? Baltimore, right? I'm just, uh, I'm sorry, Boca? Is it Boca? Boca, right? that one, right? I was, I, I'm just saying, like, 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 sometimes we think, like, like that, that, that's our world. The rest is for the Goyim, right? The rest is for the Goyim, right? That, this is like Jewish territory. This is, this is where we live, right? Everything else is for someone else. And I will say, <laughs> it's not true. Kishbarach says to Adam, the world is yours. The, the world is yours. And so the Ramchal writes over here, he says, the job of the Jew is to take the world and to use it responsibly. And when the Jew takes the world and uses it responsibly, when you use the world in the right way, what was the great... 
He's getting rich. Okay. So I'll say, so ultimately I will say, what was the sin of Adam Arishon? If you think about it for just a moment, what was the great sin of Adam Arishon? The great sin of Adam Arishon was not simply that he disobeyed God, right? Kishparuch knew that it was only a matter of time until man disobeyed him, right? That, that, that was clear that was going to happen. It was obvious it was going to happen. Chaim, you need a chair. You need a chair. We'll get you. We'll get you. Yeah, no, no, I'm not giving you my chair. I'm just saying, I'm going to get you. Such an honor. It's incredible. Wow. Mamish. Mamish, thank you. I thought you were going to bring in my chair from the shul. You could have. You're back, Charlie. Okay. So, again, again. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good. You need, do you want another chair for your feet? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to put something up and relax a little bit? Oh. Well, well, you, you, get, you, you, get, you get DoorDash over here also. Uber Eats. All right, just so, so, Uber Eats. Uber Eats. Good, mamish. I didn't know if there was a shear. I just keep Yeah, I understand. I understand. Thank you, thank you. I think that went a little too far, but that's, that's, all, that's fine, that's fine. That's fine. So, 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 so now listen to this. So what was the hate of Adam Arishan, right? What was his sin? So everyone thinks the sin was disobedience. It can't be. It can't be. Why can't it be? Because again, disobedience was always in the cards. You think Hashbaru didn't know man was going to disobey him? Of course man was this. We will say, what is life without a little disobedience? And I know that sounds, sounds a bit heretical, but, but it's true. In other words, I will say, where does, think about this for just a moment, where does growth come from in life? Where does growth come from? Right? Failure. Growth, oh, the, think about the best moments of growth in your life. I will say, I guarantee you, the best moments of growth did not come on the heels of something fantastic happening to you in life. It, does, it just doesn't work. The best moments of growth are in the aftermath of abysmal failure. When I feel like, oh my gosh, I have literally just hit rock bottom. I, I can't go any lower. It's not true, you can always go lower, but I feel like I can't go any lower. Those are the most incredible cathartic moments of growth. So the hate of Adelusha wasn't disobedience. I mean, it was disobedience, but the real hate was that Adam took a world that Hashem meant to be used as a bridge to come closer to the divine, and he used it to create a distance between himself and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem says to Adam, the world is yours. The world is yours. Everything is Kaddish. And if you use it in the right way, you'll bring out the Gdush. I will say, think about this for just a moment. Right? Why do we say brachas? Right? I take, I take an, an apple. An right? apple is always a paradigmatic example. But I take an apple. I say, boy, praise. What, what am I doing? I'm bringing out the Gdush and the apple. You could have an apple. Or you could have a Darvashat Gdusha. The apple is Kaddish. Look at the apple. Kaddish Baruch created with a beautiful, beautiful peel. And, and the fruit. And the seeds on the inside. And the fragrance. And everything. It's incredible. There's Kiddush in it because in that apple, I see a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And when I make a bracha, when I make a bracha, I'm bringing out the Kiddush of the apple. The sin of Adam Arishon was Hashem said, I gave you a world, it's yours. Enjoy the Alps, enjoy the apples, enjoy everything. But just use it in a way that brings you closer to me. And Adam Arishon used it to create a divine. And therefore says that Ramchal something amazing, he says... The whole job of a person is to take the physical world, take everything in it, and use it in a way where you bring out the Kiddusha. Use it in a way where you bring out the holiness. Very simple. Say one second. Everything is holy? Everything is holy? Twitch Tamchal says, yes. Because everything is created by Hashem. So if everything is created by the Ribono Shal Olam, 
then by definition, everything is holy. Visofa olam, these are words of the Ramchal, by the way. Visofa olam, lios kulam kodash. At the end, when Mashiach comes and Pekida comes about, everything in the world is going to be holy. Haaretz v'chal ha-sheba, kemo ha-shamayim v'chal ha-sheba hem. The heavens are holy, the earth is going to be holy, and everything in the earth is holy as well. And I will say, get ready for this. And a whole shiur is worth it for this line. The whole inyan zeh must be adam. But I will say, the ability to find and discover the holiness, even in the whole, even in the mundane, the ability to discover and to bring out the holiness in everything, even the material. He says, listen to this, who sowed, this is the deeper meaning in the Pasik. Hashamayim shamayim lashem, the aretz nasan libne adam. Get ready for this. This is mamish, mind blowing. Absolutely mind blowing. See, Rabbi said, we know this pasuk. But Gemara Mesechis Brachas quotes this pasuk a number of times. Hashemayim Shemayim LaHashem VaAretz Asalem Neadam. The heavens belong to God, and the earth was given to man. Rabbi said, when we read that pasuk, how do we, how do we interpret it? How do we interpret it? How do we interpret it? Two domains. Two domains. Right. What are the two domains? Shemayim is Kodesh Hashem, and earth is Chol Mans. Right? And, and that's, and by the way, that's always, that's, that's how, we'll say, that's even how it's interpreted in Torah's Hanikla. Right? That's how it's interpreted even in the revealed term. Look at the Mesech's Brachas. Right? Ultimately, again, that's, that's the theme that the Gemara seems to promote. Says Ramchal, that's not what it means. Look at this. Ki ha-shamayim hu echina b'chol shleimusam. See, I will say, shamayim, ki shamayim shamayim la-hashem means, shamayim is perfect. Shamayim is perfect. Right? Shamayim does not need to evolve. Shamayim does not need to grow. Shamayim does not need to change. Shamayim is absolutely, completely, unequivocally perfect. Shamayim is great. Acha'aretz masra livnei adam. Yet at the end of they listen to this, the earth was given over to man. Then I will say, why was the earth given over to man? Get ready for this. adam shehem. Yitaknuha. The Aretz Hashem says, Shemayim, Shemayim, Hashem. The job is done, Shemayim. There's nothing more to do in Shemayim. But where is their work to do? The Aretz Nasan Livnei Adam. The remaining work in this universe does not have to take place on high. The remaining work in this universe has to take place in this world. And I will say, who does that work? Who does that work? That work is us. Vahainu. Go say, get ready to this. Vahainu ki nitan hakoach adam. So we'll say, what's my job? I have a neshama. My neshama draws energy from on high. From shamayim. The shamayim that Hashem created. The shamayim that's absolutely complete and perfect. So ultimately, again, my neshama draws energy from shamayim. And I will say, with that energy that my neshama draws from on high, my job is to complete the world. That's my job, is to complete the world. He says, And I will say, how do I complete my work? How do I complete my work? That when I utilize the physicality of this world to enhance my relationship with Hashem, to build my neshama, that's how I fix the world. The koach ha-kidusha she-emshech mispashet so let's hear what's happening over here. Shemaim, Shemaim, Hashem. who says, heavens are done. Right? Mission accomplished. Nothing more for anyone to do, even God. Nothing more for me to do in Shemaim. It's done. Do you know where there's still unfinished work? 
in this world. And whose job is it to finish it? Man's job. And how does man finish that job? With the koach, with the energy that his neshama channels down from shamayim. And what's the nature of that work? To find the kedusha in every single thing. And how do you find the kedusha in every single thing? By finding a way to use the different aspects and facets of this world to build relationship with Hashem, to atone for the sin of Adam Harishon. Because Adam's sin was the use of the physical world to rebel against Hashem. Our job is to use the physical world to come closer to Hashem. And when we do that, when we see how in the physical world I can build my relationship with Hashem, I reveal the sparks and I bring out the Gidusha in this world. Let's finish the Ramchal. He said, Correct, correct. It's, it's real Tikkun Olam. Right? It, it, absolutely. In other words, you know, unfortunately, first of all, it's Tikkun Olam. That's number one. Right? It's Tikkun Olam. Okay, let's talk about it. Right, right. Yes, absolutely. The job of a Jew is Tikkun They're not wrong. The job of a Jew is Tikkun Olam. Right? But Tikkun Olam isn't the same thing for Habitat for Humanity. Like, Habitat for Humanity is great also. That's fantastic. But it's not the same thing. That's great. That's fantastic. But Tikkun Olam, it's so fascinating because everyone interprets Tikkun Olam as something you do for the other. When in fact, real Tikkun Olam, or at least a dominant facet of Tikkun Olam, is your ability to use this world to build your relationship with Hashem. That's true. Ultimately, again, here says Ranchal, but here's the catch. You have to know how to use the world. You have to know how to use the world. How do you properly use Olam Avi? You could come in. Right, Avi was there. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. How, 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 how do you how do you properly use Avi. the world? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Good. That's right. Okay. We'll talk to him after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. so, so we'll say at the end of the day. At the end of the day, you have to know. Help you help yourself to something, please. At the end of the day, you have to know how do you use the world. How do you use the world? Kedeshiu tikun hatash mishahu. And I will say that ultimately, again, what does life become all about? How do you go ahead and properly use this world? See, I will say, at the end of the day, that's the great... Let me just read that last line again. person has to know the method, the pathways. How to use the world. So that the usage of the physical world will rectify the world, will be ma'ala than itzotzos, release the sparks. So we'll say, again, see, I just want to point out over here what the Chalban was kind of advancing as his thesis. I just want to point out that Amchal already predated him by a few hundred years. So this is already, now we'll say that by the way, the Ramchal was a Kabbalist. Right, so it, it, this is not. You know the story of the Ramchal. The Ramchal was blacklisted because he was a Kabbalist. Remember again, the Ramchal lived right after Shabtai Tzvi. So anyone who was heavily steeped in Kabbalah after Shabtai Tzvi was accused of being a Sabbatian. So the Ramchal was blacklisted. The Ramchal could not find a job. Can you, can you imagine what I'm saying? Right, you you can't be a proper Jew without learning the Silas Yisharim. 
You can't. You just it's like you're deficient. It's like it's like you're missing something in your spiritual diet. I have to have, and I will say, isn't it incredible that Ramchal himself was an outcast? Couldn't find a job. He ultimately he went to he went to Eretz because he had absolutely no prospects anywhere else. He became an optician. Became an optician, right? And he died again. He's, he's very young, 49, 39 years old. Hey, so ultimately, again, I just but but I just want to point out. So just so you should know, the Chaban is bringing this concept up, but in no way is he the originator of this concept. So I will say, what we begin to see is something absolutely amazing. That right now, let's just summarize this and then we'll stop. Right now, we live in a world of Kodesh and Chol. And to be clear, going back to Yisrael's point, this is an important first step. It's an important first step. Because if you can't get Ben Kodesh L'Chol right, which, which most of us spend our entire life struggling with, there's no way, I'm not ready for the next step. But so right now I'm in a world of being called the Shlachol. But what I have to recognize is that my ultimate goal is to get to a world that is Kulo Kaddish, that is all holy on every single level, where I'm able to see the Kiddusha in every single thing. And ultimately, Pazit Siranchal and the Chaban. So how do you find the Kiddusha in every single thing? By figuring out how to use the material world in a way that builds and bolsters your relationship <clears throat> with Hashem. Yes. Um... How are we supposed to find a kedusha, especially in things that are either like more sexually oriented or anything along those lines? Especially in like our world nowadays, everything is always moving and always like advancing. So, like, how are we supposed to find so, it? So, the, so the answer is: remember, I think for most of us, we're not up to this yet. <laughs> I, I think what Ramchal is describing is a beautiful future thing to orient us. I think right now, our avoda is Ben Kodesh Lechol. And what Ben Kodesh Lechol says, these are the things that I engage in, and these are the things that I have to distance myself from because they're not healthy for me. A hundred, I, 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 raising an excellent point, I think what Ramchal is describing for us, you know, sometimes in life, it's good to know where you need to get to, even if right now, I'm not there. But what I would say is, the follow-up to that is, I think that there are small opportunities for things like this. Like, the ability to see Hashem in what I'll call mundane things, like nature, right? The Rambam writes in Hilchos Deos, that part of the way to be able to fall in love with Hashem is nature. So a lot of times we look at nature, and we don't see, we don't see God. We don't see God. I think that's, that's like low-lying fruit. You know, that, 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 that's an easy way. Or using the concept of brachos, make a bracha over a food, and to be able to see Hashem in something. So I think we can have small pockets of this, but our primary avodah is to make havdalah between Kodesh and Chol. Yes? You mentioned the Ramchal and the list about Torah, the Shabbos. So I went and looked at the Ramchal, sort of a refresher course. He's not exactly easy on people. His, to, to live up to what the Ramchal wants you to do, I looked at cleanliness. Okay, I thought that's yeah, where you... Yeah, Mesilas yeah, right? It was very hard. I, you know, it, I'm not sure I passed that checkup. Uh, right. By the way, this isn't confession. <laughs> yeah. I, but by the way, I, I don't know how many people in this you room know? would pass that check. Oh, uh, this goes back to Israel's point. Of course, life so, is hard. So, but the thing about is, you talked about Adam Rishon. The rebellion was that he would make <clears throat> rules like a god. <clears throat> the, eighth, like, the big thing is, you cannot make your own rules. You True. cannot make your right. own rules. I, I, and then the problem becomes. <clears throat> If you think it's Kedusha and uh, it's all that, then Tikkun Olam, which is misused, 
becomes your rule. Right. I, I think I, I, I think the hate of Adam Rishon has many different facets to it. I was just focusing on one because, again, I think th- that's what the Ramchal was highlighting. But 100%, unfortunately, uh, a tragic event that has many different, you know, Shivan Panam Torah, even in that just one event. All right, so we'll stop over here for tonight. Shkoya. Oh, yes. See, was it Shkoya? Shkoya. Good.